Are you ready to talk baseball? Well, step up to the plate. You're listening to Passion for the Pastime. And here's your host, Walter. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Hope you are doing well, staying safe, and being healthy out there. On this episode of the podcast, I am pleased to announce for your listening pleasure, we will be speaking with Chris Rose of NFL Network. You may have known him from Best Dance Sports Show, period. You may have known him from Intentional Talk. Or, hey, maybe you've listened to his recent podcast, The Chris Rose Rotation, which I highly recommend. It is very entertaining. If you love yourself some Chris Rose, go ahead and check that out. We're going to be speaking with Chris Rose in this episode of the podcast. I am super excited. I don't know if you guys can tell by the tone in my voice, but I am excited to speak with Chris Rose. So I'm not going to spend any more time here in this first segment. We're going to be talking no hitters because his Cleveland Indians, yeah, they got no hit twice in the first month and a half of the season. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk some draft talk because he was in Cleveland, Ohio for the draft. We're going to talk some Trey Lance, some Mac Jones. And we're also going to talk about the Giants because the Giants are the surprise team of the of the year. And we're going to be talking about the San Francisco Giants and Mustache May. We got a lot going on on this episode of the podcast. So coming up next, we are speaking with Chris Rose. You're listening to Passion for the Pastime Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to Passion for the Pastime Podcast. Your host, Walter, here. And on this episode of the podcast, I want to welcome my very special guest. I know him from Intentional Talk on MLB Network and from Best Dance Sports Show, period. Uh, but you can see him now on NFL Network, BattleBots. I mean, what isn't he doing nowadays? And even his latest podcast, The Chris Rose Rotation, here to talk about the Cleveland Indians doing what only 17 teams have done in history and that's getting no hit twice in a season. Chris Rose. Chris, how you doing today? Doing okay. How are you? I am good. I'm good. Uh, we just timed this thing actually perfectly because I just had the trash man uh, come through my street. It was loud as heck outside, but now we're, we're good. We're, we're rolling here. Yeah, you always got to be careful, those guys. <laughs> they will interrupt the podcast whenever they can. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I just want to thank you for coming on to the podcast, Chris. I really do appreciate it. And, uh, you know, talking about the, the Cleveland Indians, man, what what's going on? They've gotten no hit twice in about a month. I mean, wh- what's going on here? Well, they're not a good offensive team. I mean, they weren't going to be uh, coming into the season when you trade Lindor and let, you know, Carlos Santana walk. Uh, and basically it's Jose Ramirez and a bunch of guys who might be okay. Uh, at some point, you're going to be a struggling offense. Um, it, it, you know, it really didn't surprise me the first time when Rodon got him at all. Um, and then the second time, it didn't shock me either. It just, you know, maybe Wade Miley, you don't expect a guy who barely breaks 90 to be able to get him, but that's, that's what Wade Miley does. You know, he keeps people off balance and things of that nature. But the Indians are, are a bottom five offense in the game. And they don't have a lot of threats. The fact that they're playing this well through 35 games is a testament to their their pitching and, in particular, their bullpen, which has been great. But, um, yeah, if you want to watch some dynamic uh, plate appearances, do not turn on the Cleveland Indians. (laughs) Well, it's it's funny about uh, when you look at the the Reds pitchers uh, in the last – 
in, in the last couple of years, I, I wouldn't say a couple of years, but, you know, I, I think back as to when the Giants got no hit by Homer Bailey. It's like, what's going on in, in Cincinnati? <laughs> you know what I mean? To, to have all these guys uh, throw nitters, throw no hitters, and then you have Wade Miley go in there. He's been throwing the ball pretty good, but again, it's Wade Miley. You wouldn't expect him to go no hitter, but that's kind of what's going on in the game uh, today, Chris, is we're seeing a lot of strikeouts. We're seeing a lot of potential no hitters. Like I think in the first week we had um, two pitchers in, I forget who Corbin Burns was going against, but we had two pitchers going into the seventh and eighth inning with no hit bids battling each other what's going on in the game of baseball why do we seem to be seeing these uh this trend of it happening it seems like every week it's just it's the accepted practice right i mean we're going to have our lowest batting average in more than 50 years if we continue with this trend and you know as long as teams continue to reward players for high homers high strikeouts putting the ball in play is not at a premium, then that's the way the game will go. I mean, I would do, if, if somebody said, hey, listen, this is how you can get paid, go do it. I'd be like, well, would you say, well, it's not really best for the game. Or would you say, sign me up. That's what I'll learn to do. Right. So we can't criticize the players necessarily because that's how they're being rewarded. So I'm okay with that. Um, to me, it's not fun to watch. It's not as fun to watch. I can tell you that if it's from a personal standpoint. I like to watch runners go in motion. I like to see hit and run. I like to see action. Um, to me, that's a more enjoyable part of the sport. I, but, you know, I'm not the guys that sign the checks at the end of the day. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a very interesting time of the game, and uh, to see you know so many no hitters become the norm. I mean, are we are we kind of seeing um, the this you know it being as special? It's kind of diminishing now that we're seeing it so often. I don't know. I some people say that I don't. I still think it takes an awful lot of skill and some good fortune to be able to complete a no-hitter, right? And part of it is that you're fighting against the norms of your organization, which is to, in a tight game, make sure that you have the best bullpen matchup possible. So the fact that we're letting guys go that far sometimes is is a part of the storyline that gets lost. Um, So for me, I still get excited when there's a guy who's got a chance to throw a no-hitter in the ninth. Um, But... I, I know that some people are like, oh, it's not that big a deal. But I kind of feel for those people because I don't know what, what it is you're looking to celebrate then. Like, what? <laughs> I don't know. You try and get your ass out there and see how well it works if, if it's so easy to throw a no-hitter. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, we're talking with Chris Rose here on Passion for the Pastime podcast. Um, really quick, I mean, we were talking about Cleveland to start off the, the podcast, but let me switch gears here. And uh, jump into the NFL draft. You were at the NFL draft in Cleveland. The prodigal son returned to Cleveland. How, how was that? How was that experience for you? It was great. It was great. The weather stunk on Thursday and Friday, but that's, <laughs> right. that's just what, kind what of can, the way What can you it expect rolls. from Cleveland, right? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the Midwest. Uh, oddly enough, there are a lot of people who think it's just one weather pattern over Cleveland, Ohio, <laughs> but it, it actually isn't. Um, one year we had the draft in Chicago. 
the next year moved to Dallas. And that same week had we kept it in Chicago, there would have been 12 inches of snow on draft Thursday. So uh, although Cleveland might get a bad rap for it, it's not like they order their own weather. But I thought the city did a, an exceptional job. Uh, the fact that there were that many fans that stood out there in questionable weather uh, kind of shows the passion they have for their football. And, um, you know, they, they love it when a big event comes to their city. It hasn't happened all that frequently over the last few years. But I've heard nothing but good things when I was there for the draft. Great things about the 2019 All-Star Game that was there. Um, so it's it's um, I was very proud of my hometown. Was that the the first event like live event with fans that you've partaken in um, since everything with the pandemic has happened? Well, I was at the Super Bowl. Oh, um, right. That was a little yeah. that was a little bit different. Um, this was something that you know this was more of an event than a one day um, thing. Right. So you know it was it was definitely a little bit different. All right, well, I have to ask you, uh, because over here in the Bay Area, 49ers, we had that number three overall pick. Did you at all believe that it was going to be Mac Jones? Yeah, I thought there was a possibility. Um, You know, Ian Rappaport from our network reported that it was going to be one of those two guys, either Mac Jones or Trey Lance. And I was hoping for 49ers fans' sake that it would be Trey Lance. I just think his upside is spectacular. Seems like a great kid, super smart, just turned 21 a couple days ago. And, you know, I think it'll I think it'll be really interesting to see how it plays out. You know, I think Garoppolo obviously starts the season as a starter. If they're not playing as well as they had hoped midway through the year, it would not surprise me to see them pull a Lamar Jackson sort of deal and put him in there and kind of ride that wave for the rest of the year. There's been very few situations where I can remember a team that ended up picking in the top five, knew they were going to go with a rookie quarterback, and still had Super Bowl aspirations. It just doesn't happen. So um, we'll see how this one plays out. And and with Trey Lance being the pick, I mean, it was a sigh of relief all over the Bay Area, at least for me anyway. I, I really wanted Trey Lance. But what kind of player – uh, can you say like a, a player comp or anything about uh, Trey, Trey Lance that the 49ers do get uh, in Santa Clara? I mean, I, I have to be honest with you. I haven't seen him play one single game. I've seen highlights just like everybody else. I haven't seen him play a full game. So um, I'm probably not the best. I could sit here and lie and say he's this, that, the other thing. I'm not going to dare say that though. Cause I just haven't, I've seen highlights like everybody else and I think that he's got a ton of talent and all I can tell you is the people who do evaluate him for a living say he's he's got the possibility of being sensational I did not hear that once about Mac Jones yeah yeah and and it's interesting where Mac Jones ended up in uh in New England I mean maybe the the uh the thought process of Mac Jones in uh, Belichick's system, maybe that changes people's minds on Mac Jones a little bit. I'm not sure, but well, it's, it'll be interesting to see down the line, like five years, ten years, to see where both of these guys are in their respective careers. So it's going to be really fun to watch. Um, excited for Trey Lance, but let, let's get back into uh, some baseball talk, man. Let's keep it in the Bay Area. We're talking with Chris Rose here on the podcast. And the Giants are one of the big surprise teams. Me, being a diehard Giants fan, I didn't even see this coming. Um, 
you know, what what is going on with the Giants as far as what what is making them so successful right now? They're pitching. I mean, it's it's pretty simple. Um, they've got a bunch of starters that are on one year deals that have been lighting it up, and um, to me, they're they're fascinating from the standpoint of what's going to happen at the trade deadline, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is a very veteran team, right? And Farhan Zaidi apparently has done a pretty good job of turning over the farm system in a short amount of time but there aren't a ton of young guys that are getting it done for them, whether it's in their everyday lineup or on the pitcher's mound. They're really relying on established guys, many of whom are at the end of their contracts. So do you, what do you do? Do you go get somebody that could help them? Or do you say, let's sell high on a bunch of these guys and maybe get an upper tier prospect that can help us get through this kind of transitional stage that we're in. Um, so I think they're a really, really interesting watch. And if I had to bet, I would say that they're going to be more sellers than buyers at the deadline. I know that's not going to make your Bay Area fans very happy, but I think you also have to be honest with yourself. Are they over 162 games better than either the Dodgers or the Padres? Right. What do you think? Uh, over 162, probably, probably not, man, to be honest. Uh, right. <laughs> I don't know if they can keep, I don't know if they can keep up. Right. And so that's the way you have to answer the question. It's not, it's not through 35 games. It's not through 80 games. It's not through a hundred games. It's through 162. Can this, you know, I mean, seriously, that's, that's the question. Right. Yeah, it's it's the question of is it sustainable, right? And then you you look at the division with the Padres, who you know with Tatis going on the on the COVID IL, and then you have uh, the the Dodgers who are playing really bad baseball right now, but they're dealing with their injuries as well. Um, you put that into perspective, yeah, over one sixty two, you figure those two teams are going to figure it out at some point, especially the Dodgers. The Dodgers roster is way too good. Uh, to be stinking over 162. I mean, this isn't a 60-game season, and I think that fans need to kind of remember that because last year, I, th- I think that, you know, the short attention span of the 60-game season, it was so compact and so quick that people were so quick to uh, jump on the team now through uh, the first month and say, oh, wow, like they're they're in a good position. We're in first place. But, yeah, you, you got you to gotta hold that all the way through uh, to the end of September. I don't know if the Giants are, are capable of doing that, but their pitching are, is looking pretty good. Uh, but what they have going on right now, Chris, is I don't know if you've noticed or if you've paid attention at all uh, to the Giants. They have Mustache May going on. Have you uh, taken a look at some of the guys' mustaches going on on, on the team? I haven't. No, I haven't looked closely enough to uh, – usually they're in a, in a quad box on my TV. So uh, it doesn't do it justice when it comes to uh, mustache them, if you will. Oh, oh, yeah, man. You have to check it out. You have to check it out. Uh, Yastrzemski has one that's going – I don't know how I feel about it. It kind of makes me feel uncomfortable when I, when I, when I look at his mustache. That away. That away. Good. 
Uh, but since we're talking about mustaches, what, what, uh, or facial hair anyway, what, what's the best facial hair that you've seen, uh, in the game of baseball, just off the top of your head? Uh, for me, obviously in San Francisco, Brian Wilson just pops off the page, but who, who, uh, who stands out to you? Well, I mean, listen, you, you've got two classic closers from the, you know, the seventies, obviously Raleigh fingers was, you know, I mean, he is, when you're talking about that, he is the number one, probably, seed in the tournament. <laughs> uh, Goose Gossage, just because of the Fu Manchu, coupled with the, um, you know, his demeanor on the mound, right. you know, you, you package that, and it kind of gives you the whole look. Uh, you know, Al Roboski was kind of another one for the 70s and 80s. Uh, the Mad Hungarian back in the day. Um, so that's, you know, those are, those are, those are three. Yeah. I mean, you know, Wilson with his, and then of course, when he came to LA, he would, he would dye that thing. So it was, uh, got rather mangy and interesting. Right. The honorable mention, uh, Jim Joyce, not, not a player, but, uh, but you yeah, know, good uh, umpire. Another, another good, another good one. Oh yeah. That, that is uh that is a really good one. Raleigh fingers, by the way, I, I, uh, had an interaction with him at uh, spring training years ago and, uh, mustache is still curled like i'm I'm like what what how yeah. do you how do you do oh, that yeah. like, how much gel goes into that <laughs> yeah no he's got a special well he's got a special wax that gets it done <laughs> right. yeah it's amazing especially to see it in person but pictures i mean yeah it doesn't do it justice to see it in person you have to see it in person it's just amazing uh since we're talking about raleigh fingers here a little bit chris uh some breaking news yesterday about the A's possible relocation. Is this a scare tactic? Is this a threat on the city of Oakland? Or is this something that could possibly really happen? Yes to everything. Um, it's, you know, it's a shame. Uh, I feel for the people of Oakland based on what they've gone through the last, you know, 12 months when it comes to professional sports teams. I've, I've lived through it. It's not fun when your team departs for whatever reason and you're hamstrung as a fan because there's nothing you can do there really isn't um so listen anybody that's ever attended a game at the coliseum knows that it's it's not up to standard Mm -hmm. it's just not on so many levels and a beautiful baseball park can make a difference it really can and i've also lived in california for more than 20 years so i understand how difficult it is to get stadium referendums passed on a ballot. And by the way, I don't blame people. Like there are more important things than, than stadiums. Uh, they, they do create jobs. Um, they do bring in big time events, uh, you know, that you can have as well. So there is that trade off. Um, and also there are a lot of fans who say, well, well hold on. If, if owners are going to get all the dough, why shouldn't they flip the bill? And you can't argue against that either. But at the same time, if there's another community that'll say, Hey, you know what? We'll pay for you. All you have to do is move your team here. Then what are you going to do? You know, at the end of the day, billionaires remain billionaires because they end up hanging on to their money. And so not a lot of them are going to say, Hey, you know what? Let's do the right thing here. Instead of let's do the right thing for my wallet. Those aren't always, they don't always line up. 
And so if, if the A's do end up leaving um, Oakland, where do you foresee them going? I mean, there's uh, endless possibilities. I heard Las Vegas uh, being a, a possibility, Portland also. Where do you see them going if they are forced to leave Oakland? Well, I'd be shocked if they went to a place like Portland. I don't see that. I mean, you're talking about the Pacific Northwest. That just doesn't, to me, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Vegas, yeah. I mean, we've seen two professional sports teams move out there in the last five years now. And I think that would make a ton of sense from that standpoint. Um, you know, Nashville has been talked about for years as, as a great baseball destination. I just hate talking about the possibility just because I, I feel for the fans up there. Yeah. And anybody that's listening to your show wouldn't want to hear, well, boy, let's talk about a great destination for the A's. It's just, it's not fun stuff. But the reality is that when baseball says, yeah, you, you go look around, you know, it's either to speed up the process out West or to say, hey, listen, go. And um, I hope that it's the former and not the latter, because I would like to see them finally work something out up there. And and one thing that I will say, because obviously I'm in the Bay Area, I go to Giants games, I go to a ton of Oakland games too, because that's that's the one thing uh, that I do like about having the Coliseum right across the Bay. And I actually live in the East Bay, so getting to the Coliseum is easier for me uh, than to get to Oracle Park. But, you know, it's the AL team. You get to see teams that you don't normally see that go to San Francisco, right? So that's that's a little uh, a bonus for me being a baseball fan. Uh, but let me tell you, every time I'm going to the Coliseum, and I don't know how often you've gotten out to the Coliseum, Chris, but when you're out there and when they're in the playoffs and when you see them on TV and the, and the stadium is packed for those playoff games, their fan base is probably one of the it's most great. loyal fan bases in uh, all of sports. I mean, it even goes to the Raider fans. It goes to the Warrior fans because I used to go to Warrior games all the time uh, at Oracle before they moved to San Francisco. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that fan base, they, they, deserve, they deserve better. I'm with you on that. They deserve better than what's going on right now. Yeah, but at the end of the day, it's not always about that. Right, and right. That's too bad. And, uh, Chris, really quick, before I let you go, uh, we've been talking a lot here on the podcast. Just got to ask you, uh, how many bobbleheads do you have in your office? (laughs) I got to know. It's probably, I'm going to guess, between 75 and 100. I mean, it's a good collection. It's not nuts, though. (laughs) So, that's uh, that's awesome. I'm a bobblehead fan guy. So. Yeah, me too. And I don't know if it's because from watching uh, Intentional Talk, and I used to see all these bobbleheads, but in my home studio, I kind of have a, a similar setup. I have some bobbleheads over here. I got uh, Clemente and, and Yadier Molina. I got a Brandon Crawford, Mike Trout over here. Tim Lentz come right behind me. also have a Jose Altuve. Uh, that was before every, everything happened, but I still like the guy. I still, I still like what he does. Um, but, yeah, 75, That's I'm, I'm going to have to have to step my game up, man, to catch up to you. Yeah, that's all right. I, I don't think I'm increasing my number anymore. I'll put it on pause for you. <laughs> all right, Chris. Well, I appreciate you coming on to the podcast, man. I really appreciate the time, and you take care, and maybe we'll talk down the line, man. Sounds great. I appreciate the time. Thank you. 
And again, that was the great Chris Rose of NFL Network. Go ahead and give him a follow on Twitter if you don't already. If you're not, I don't know what's going on with you. But at Chris Rose, Chris, everybody loves Rosie. So go ahead and give him a follow on there. And also check out his podcast. If you haven't listened to it yet, it is great. He just put out a uh, podcast not too long ago with Evan Longoria, Tyler Glass now. He does them with uh, Trevor May. It's the Chris Rose Rotation Podcast. Has all these professional athletes go onto the podcast. Trevor May, Glass now, uh, Lucas Giolito, Archie Bradley, and, and others. So go ahead and check that out. And I just want to thank Chris Rose for coming on to the podcast. I do really appreciate it and everybody that made it possible. So thank you again for listening to this episode of the podcast. Stay tuned because we got more content coming up every single week. And I hope you enjoyed this latest conversation with Chris Rose. I had a blast. I hope you did too. So you guys have a good one. Be safe. And I'll talk to you next time.